Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty to recap with the spring game. You might be scratching your head saying, what? Trust me, there's some things to, to pull out a Saturday, some things to, to leave uh, Saturday. So we'll get there. Charlie McBride's with us in one hour. Mr. Blackshirt himself, another Monday with Charlie. Good coach's take on Saturday. Greg Smith will have the all-important update on the recruiting weekend. What Dylan Riola, what O'Shawn Mathis think of Saturday. And, of course, golf on our mind. The Masters completed. Scotty Scheffler Wearing that green jacket, we'll check in with our PGA insider. Uh, and you know him and love him, Chris Elgert, with us a little bit uh, before 5.30. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. And can find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt. That's me, Elijah Herbal, at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So did you make the uh, the 30-hour the death trip or no? Yeah. You yeah. did? Yeah. That's why you're so quiet and sunburned. Uh, yeah, well, the, the sunburn came because... Saturday baseball. Well, it was both. I, I was umpiring Saturday and then I turned right around and went to Coors yesterday and I so you did you you so you did you did MLB and you did did you do NBA or with yes. no LeBron you still watch the Lakers yeah right? it sucked that was, <laughs> that was the worst idea ever I watched Austin Reeves who the hell is that he dropped a triple double on the Nuggets you and saw then, a triple double by someone not named LeBron on the Lakers yeah and then or Magic or Jokic that's, that's that was my best canon the Jokic didn't play either and then Malik Monk drops forty one on the Nuggets that was terrible and then you have to go and drive eight hours back to Lincoln so you didn't overnight. take the train no no we drove. That, that was the so mistake. you are absolutely at wit's end. Fuse is burnt. You're just you're just praying for six oh five. I'm no, I'm feeling better than I expected. Okay, in okay. like a, it's probably just like the, um, the getting to like the end of my energy reserves. Like I got like a little second push here. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I mean, the, the sun. You look like you've had seventeen pints of vodka. Quite <laughs> yeah. frankly, the 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 sunburn's not great. I kind of forgot that. At altitude, it's easier to get a sunburn, so I did not pack any sunscreen. You're beat red with a goofy mustache. Yeah. <laughs> By the sixth inning, I'm like feeling my face. I'm going like, ah oh, man, I, I made a mistake here. Well, good for you. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good trip. It, I just thought I you know. were a little mum today because, oh, God, it's Monday. But 
you've uh, you've watched a little bit of the spring game, the, the oh, recap, yeah. Oh, yeah. the uh, fastest sixty you know minutes of football or football in sixty, and it's been on a few times between NET re-airing it and the Big Ten Network replaying it. And you know, I'm going to put my cards on the table. I was there through three quarters, junior ad baseball, and so I I felt like just that type of a-hole father where you miss your kid's performance. He pitched at 11, and we're wrapping up, you know, hour two of the spring game pregame, which was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who came out to the single barrel, and uh, that was really cool to, to, to get things kicked off. But, no, I mean, I, I was torn. I wanted to be watching him. He did great, and I got to hear about it from everyone else, which was cool. And then I saw, you know, game two against your Southeast Knights. And and they won, and, and he did well, so all's good. They they play at five tonight. So I was torn, like, job-wise, be there, soak it in, take notes. But th- this is what, what the new normal is. Nebraska's spring game ended up being a lot like Tiger at Augusta this year. You're, you're just happy he was there and you got to see him. Was it what you wanted? No. But it's better than the alternative. And the last couple of years has been funky. A year ago, you're wearing masks. Two years ago, there wasn't one at all. It was a, it was a video game. So 53,000 of you and your closest pals got to go watch semblance of football and even see tackling in the second half. You've got to always look at your beer being half full. That's just my humble opinion and take on it and you know did some folks stick out sure and can you can you take from saturday and project that nebraska will be a force in the big 10 absolutely not but you can't you can't look at saturday and say no they're god awful here comes three and nine again no absolutely not i mean there was there was some okay to it there's a lot of yay and nay listen the, the, the thud tackling in the first half, just you're staring at your watch, get it over with. Let me see let me see what the offensive line can do against the defense. And you did in the second half with uh, a myriad of backups. But what did I see? I saw the offensive line get downhill. I saw some nice running lanes. And I saw some guys do some good things in the back end in coverage. You don't know. We don't know. Hardly anything other than Nebraska didn't tip their hand. You don't know much other than the, the offensive line is moving straight forward to engage uh, with said defensive linemen. And then you saw some flashes, right? What flashes did you see? You saw Garrett Nelson uh, look like a completely different football player as his maturation process has continued to grow and get better every year. Uh, you saw Anthony Grant, with it being touch football, still bust off a 60-yard run, which was nice. Was he down in the backfield? He Maybe, but let it go. He might have been. <laughs> the point is, is he he jump-cutted that bastard and got outside and outran everybody. You saw Chubba Purdy make a couple of throws that were, oh, wow. And, you know, listening to Chubba's postgame, Chubba's only practiced three or four times. So you see the arm talent. And for him to fit the football in there to Mr. Forgotten tight end of said recruiting class, uh, A.J. Rollins, that, that's, that could be a nice 
um, combination for years to come. Isaac Gifford looks like a beast in coverage. I mean, he's all over. Nash Huttmacher did a good job of stalemating. So those are some guys who caught my eye. Uh, questions going in. We were interested in the QB debuts, okay? Uh, Casey Thompson didn't get hurt. That's the best news out of everything. Threw four passes. Got sacked a few too many times. Oh, well. Uh, we'll talk in Ireland. Difference in the offense. Well, they're more downhill with their running attack. What's the O-line configuration? Don't know. I know that Nebraska's true help is still injured. Okay? At, at, at the tackle spot with Turner Corcoran and Big Ted. Because what I saw from Nebraska's tackles in a complete moment of overreaction was not good. Ben Hart was fine. Uh, Banks, not so good. Miller gave up a sack. And then you have Schwartz, who needs to get in football shape. So you have uh, tackles to look at. I like Kevin Williams. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what's the offensive line going to look like moving forward? Well, you got Big Ted. You've got Nuri or Williams at the left guard. You've got Lutowski or Bando at the right guard. I like Hickson. Piper had his arm in a sling. So that's that's your one-two center punch. And then at right tackle, hopefully you have Turner Corcoran because that's where he's played best and looked best in limited action. Uh, it's not been at left tackle, not that he can't get there, but there's there's been some some better play from him at right tackle when you look at Northwestern and Rutgers. Again, small sample size. As far as the running back stuff goes, listen, I thought Ramirez looked quick, again, in thud action. And I thought Yant looked explosive. And, and you saw Yant ticked off. He's ticked off that he couldn't run some people over. He couldn't stiff arm. I mean, he, he was touched and he was down and then he was out because you don't want to risk injury. So there you go. And then, then you have Anthony Grant. There's, there's your three-man rotation. What's Gabe Irvin look like when he gets back and healthy? It's a nice name and talent to add to the mix. Beyond that, don't know. Don't care. I mean, it's, it's the, the, you kind of got your, your upper tier, and you got out alive, and that's what's, what's key. I mean, to me, it really was uh, about off the field again. It's can you showcase? Can you use the fan base to your advantage? And can you reel some people in? So by the time summer gets here, you're staring at 10 to 12 recruits. And did you do enough Saturday to, for O'Shawn Mathis to make a pledge to Nebraska at the end of the month? That, to me, is what it is. You've got plenty of time to work on Dylan Riola, but you had 100-plus kids here. It's showcase and then practice with elements of a game. That's what this event is. Now, the question is, are you going to come back as a Nebraska fan to another spring game format like this? Are you going to? Are you going to just watch it on TV? Are you going to catch the the highlights? That's the question because you're going to want and need uh, several thousand screaming fans there to wow and impress all the kids you invite, right? It is practice also, too, for the fans when it comes to tailgating and enjoying yourself before and after and, and, and checking out a football setup. So something's, there's got to be a happy medium. Who knows if, if next year or in future years you're in the same situation injury and depth-wise on the offensive and defensive line and at tight end. 
uh, you're really, really thin. Uh, you had one quarterback that's already been dinged in Chubba Pretty that finally got in uh, and, and looked okay. I'm glad that they took the jerseys off of Harburg. Uh, and the, the, both Carney kids, uh, I thought, did well. I really like Harburg on that seam route. I like his athleticism, the way he's able to move around and get out of the pocket. I think there's a lot of tools to work with with Harburg. So you're going to have to do something uh, to continue to entice the fans. I don't think any longer, based on how football feelings have been and in the record, I mean, there's there's minimal buzz for this, and there's less buzz after this type of format, okay? So what are you going to do to keep reeling fans in? Do you put a concert set up together for after the game? You bring a group in and let them serenade at Memorial Stadium? I don't know. I'm just throwing suggestions out there. But uh, another year like this where it's not full go, full bore, you're going to continue to see it dwindle. It's miraculous and impressive to you, the Nebraska fan, that it's been several thousand pre and now post-COVID uh, where you're, you're out there. It's still top five in attendance. Uh, most places just go out there and have a practice. It's not really a spring game setting at all. Some places don't even have spring games. It'll be interesting to see what Ohio State does this weekend. What do you mean? Damn, I didn't even want to watch the first half on TV. I had it recorded because I, I was out working, you know, and I came back, and after the second half finished up, I go back and try to watch the first half. It's just that there was there was nothing to see there. But one thing I will add, which was missed from this whole conversation, is was uh, at the end of last week we were discussing who's the guy who's going to make a splash, who's the guy who's going to be the, the guy who, who, who stands out and – the answer was really no one really aside no, no. from Jarrett Sinek. Who was expecting that one? Sure, fair. Hastings kid. Yeah, and and he threw the ball, got a touchdown. I mean, yeah, he, he was, was pro- all right. probably spring game MVP. Right, and but again, looking at the setting and setup, and granted, it was it was real football in the second half. Let's hear a little bit from Scott Frost and uh, his take on on this spring game, what it meant, and uh, their mission. Um, today, you know, I've said it and it sounds cliche, but it's just kind of the culmination of spring for us. Um, I just wanted to see some guys have a chance to play in, in front of the fans. What an awesome fan base we have for that many people to show up early in the spring like this and watch and, and the environment. It's great being back around them. Uh, and I just want to get off the field healthy. Uh, and I think we did that too. So um, we've seen 14 practices, guys doing what they need to do and, and the schemes that that we're running. Uh, today was just kind of about showcasing some of that to the fans and, and uh, finishing spring ball the right way. Stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy. And if push comes to shove, do you want to even have a even a, a setup where a guy could get hurt? It, it's tough. It's a bit of tug of war where you want to give the fans something to come see, but you also got to think and keep your team and your players first, obviously. And yet you have the element of showcase where – Wow, uh, come play here because, well, this is what you get for just a half of practice of half of real football. So, you know what, I'm sure travel, you know, huddle up with uh, the appropriate people and you'll keep the crowd running and flowing because Nebraska fans are the best. That said, it can't, you can't do another year like this there's, there's got to be some sort of sort of tweak uh the offense it was ineffective 12 drives nine first downs one score uh scream with me yeah it was painful 
It's probably three things. I thought it was a little ugly um, offensively in the first half. That being said, you know, it's hard to tell where the, some of those runs go when you're blowing it dead. We were being dreadfully simple and running inside zone and between the tackles, and then you get tagged off and they blow it down. And I wouldn't want to have an official and decide where to spot a lot of those, but uh, it's hard to get a, a real read from that. Amen. And that's the biggest takeaway, right? It's a mystery. And are you ticked off you went? I hope not. I mean, was it Nebraska-Colorado? No. (laughs) Was it Bobby Newcomb on the option keep in 98 around the end for 95 yards? No. But you got to see your team. Uh, Vic emails in, if they're going to do this, tickets need to be free. Vic, you might be on to something. Or maybe free beer. (laughs) (laughs) How about beer? Greg Smith, The Recruiting Impact, next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We'll check in with Casey Thompson and, of course... Garrett Nelson coming up here in the show. Charlie McBride shortly, and then uh, PGA insider Chris Elgert, the man that's been banging the phones. Greg Smith, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Greg Smith HV. Greg, how many pictures did you take on your phone and with your sweet camera this weekend? <laughs> Quite a few. Uh, I think, honestly, the real number on the camera, I think it was like 424. Uh, when you have uh, over 100 visitors here in town, um, including like 15 signees, uh, the camera gets a workout, uh, as do the phones afterwards. Well, uh, let's uh, take a gander at, you know, some of the names. We know that the two biggest fish uh, on Memorial Stadium's turf were, uh, of course, Dylan Riola and Oshan Mathis reaction here. What's what's the feed, the vibe? What was the attention like? You were down in the thick of it. Yeah, I think the, the attention was great um, if you're those two kids, especially. Uh, they both got a lot of personal attention. Like, I'm not sure I've ever seen um, in both of those cases, actually. You know, Oshan Mathis down at, at midfield, um, like official visitors usually are, but the change was that he had basically a personal attendant from Nebraska, kind of with him and his family the whole time, the who's who coming up uh, to him and, and speaking to him, whether it was coaches, you know, players on the team. Uh, Trev Albert spent a good amount of time with him. Jason Peter came up and and talked to him for a little bit. Uh, so I know he definitely felt like he was welcome um, and that Nebraska really wanted him. And then you look at Dylan Rayola, um, he's down there with the family and Dom included, and they're just kind of hanging out on the sidelines. And There's babies being passed to him uh, they, they, for pictures and stuff. It was, it was a scene down there on the sidelines and on the field uh, before that game. So feedback from some of the kids you've talked to, I mean, 100-plus uh, talented kids, some 2023 kids, some portal guys, and uh, 2024 uh, in-state, of course, with Malachi Coleman and uh, Mav Noonan and Sledge, uh, Gatula. I mean, some of the kids are already committed, some are not. You've got three pretty high-profile in-state kids as well. Uh, what's the feedback been and the reaction? W- w- were they wowed? Was it as a uh, a... As a surprised atmosphere for a lot of these kids, were they overwhelmed in a good way or or no? Uh, was it was it a little 
lackluster because it's not as big a crowd as we've seen. What's what's the uh, the read been? Oh, it, it was definitely not lackluster. I think that even though you know it's funny, it, it, Husker fans listening to this know that it, the crowd was not as big as normal. But if you're a recruit coming in for this, this is the biggest crowd you've seen for you know a scrimmage, right? Like you're not, you know, the, I talk to kids that have gone to actual games in the fall that there weren't as many people on the stands as there were uh, for Nebraska spring game, and that was a down year uh, for the spring game. You know, you talk to a four-star defensive lineman out of Texas, uh, Trey Wilson. I did a video with him. Uh, yesterday evening, um, and he was just blown away by what he saw in Nebraska. He also said the thing um, that I know Nebraska fans hate to hear, uh, which is Nebraska, like Lincoln itself blew him away because he was expecting a lot less houses and a lot more open fields. He was really pleasantly surprised with what he saw. Um, but you have, but what's important about that, though, is that Nebraska has to get those kids on campus so that you can dispel those myths and rumors, right? Like, if the more you can get them here and show them what Nebraska is all about, what Lincoln and a game day is like, the better chance you get. And so a lot of kids were really impressed um, with what they saw in Lincoln and what they saw in the crowd with the fan support, um, especially given Nebraska has been on tough times here recently. Like the, the positive, the, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive from recruits. Now, Greg, tell me, was, was this game, was uh, the, the visits these kids were taking, was, was the pitch similar to what Nebraska would be making uh, during, a, say, an official visit during a, the, the fall during a game? Or were, were the coaches able to, to do different things because of the fact that it was a spring game? I mean, I saw a picture of, of Coach Frost with O'Shawn Mathis on Twitter as uh, they, they went to the photo booth that looked like after the game and, and took some pictures. Was there differences from what the coaching staff could do because it was a spring game? Um, no, not really. I think it's a little bit different in that because there's so many kids here and you have people in different situations, whether or not it was, you know, like Joshua Manning, who I talked to, the four-star wide receiver out of Missouri. It was his fourth visit um, to Nebraska over the last, like, year and a half. So he's well, he's pretty well familiar with what's happening. So he's seeing kind of the inside um, scoop of what's really happening behind the scenes, not necessarily just kind of the surface stuff. Um, and then when you have a guy like O'Shawn Mathis on campus, I think, you know, he referenced Coach Frost being in those photos. I think that's the first time I've seen Frost in those photos. I think that that really goes to show you how much Nebraska really wants him and is showing him to be a priority. Like we've seen, I think we've seen like Eric Chenander or Mike Dawson and those guys in more of these photos than we have Frost. So Frost getting in there, I think, is a good sign, uh, at least for Mathis and the level of attention that they showed him. Uh, but those messages are a little bit tailored differently just because it depends on how often those guys have been to campus, not necessarily. Uh, um, it'd be in the spring game or a, a real game in the fall. Greg Smith with us recapping the recruiting weekend for the spring game. You can follow Greg on Twitter at GregSmithHVHaleVarsity.com and magazine. So, Greg, what's your read and feel with O'Shawn Mathis? He put out on Twitter earlier today that it's, uh, uh, well, maybe it was late yesterday, but the point is is he'll make his call in a month. He'll graduate from TCU and then and then transfer did Nebraska do enough to win him over? Uh, where is Nebraska in the visit schedule compared to some other teams? Yes, yeah, and th- this is the thing that's super interesting about this recruitment is when you have these high-profile portal guys, um, they don't do a lot of interviews, if any, uh, interviews during um, the recruiting process when they get recruiting 2.0 going here like he is right now. Um, and so you just don't know. Like We don't know if his top five has changed. Um, he had a group that included Nebraska, Texas, Ole Miss, uh, Penn State, and USC. I don't know if all of those teams are even still in it. My suspicion is, is that he'll continue to take visits here over the next few weeks 
weeks because most other, every other school is still going through spring football, um, and you can take official visits right now. Um, so I'll, I'd like to I'd be looking for him to take more of those official visits. Nebraska getting the first one really does help, um, and I think they'll set a nice bar uh, for that. And I think Nebraska will be in the thick of this. I still think that Texas is going to be a major player here. He's from Austin, obviously was at TCU before. Um, so Texas, I think it continues to be the biggest competition for his service. Greg, was there, was there anything that he would have been watching for, you think, on the field, knowing he's probably going to be a, a, a one-and-done guy, do you think? Um, seeing how ineffective the offense could be, could be a, a detriment to his recruitment, or was there kind of, you know, uh, a little bit of separation, knowing it's a spring game and knowing things will probably look different in the fall? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that would really factor in. I, I think that most guys, especially guys as good as he's been as a two-time All-Big 12 selection um, and the number of sacks that he's been able to put up in his career, I don't think he thinks that way. I think it's probably, hey, if I go there, I can help turn this thing around and be part of the solution. Um, and it, But I do think if you're really getting into the nitty-gritty, maybe the, the overall team and, and success would help. But then the coaches could just say, listen, it was a spring game. Like Frost said, we were, what, dreadfully uh, playing – um, or basic in our offensive game plan, we, we can do more than that in the fall, especially as guys get comfortable. So they have an easy way to combat that, even if he did think that. Where does Coach Applewhite fit into this, Greg? I, I know that, you know, O'Shawn's a defensive guy that started at, at TCU, and TCU plucked him out of Austin. Uh, that said, his old head coach is now an analyst in Austin. Does Applewhite help kind of – uh, disrupt that uh, that inside track for Texas at all? Yeah, yeah, I do think so. And and you, you've talked to me kind of off air about this, and I've told you that my feelings about Applewhite. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I think he was a, a guy that um, did not get talked about a lot when Nebraska hired him, and he was pretty unknown. But you don't have to spend much time with him to to understand why guys like him. So I think that Ochon Mathis would definitely be it would be a help. Um, that Applewhite is actually on staff here at Nebraska as an assistant coach. Um, as I can't imagine they have a bad relationship. And actually, Applewhite popped up in a couple of those photos as well that Matt has tweeted out. Um, so that's always a plus. Any crossover with him and Omar? That I'm not sure on that. That, that is a really good question. I, I would assume... Um, that, that Omar was, was heavily involved this weekend just with those guys both being Texas guys. Uh, they usually like to try to match guys up like that on those visit weekends, but I'm not 100% sure of that. Who, uh, who else do you think uh, got a great dose of Big Red this weekend? Give me, and I know you're talking to him today, uh, Dylan Riola, at least your, your view from... 5,000 feet, so to speak, at this point. And then some of the other high-profile guys that, you know, do you think Nebraska made a good impression? Yeah, I definitely think they made another good impression on Dylan. I think that any time that you can get a guy here and stay like that and can stay top of mind um, when when he's going out and seeing, you know, USC and Georgia and Ohio State, um, I think he's going to Texas again this weekend. Like, they're facing some major players in college football uh, for his services. So any time you get him on campus and show, you know, the spring game atmosphere off, that's always good. Um, a guy that I really like that Nebraska had on campus and made a good impression with um, is Braden Marshall, a three 
three-star, high three-star defensive back out of Florida. Um, you know Travis Fisher can recruit defensive backs out of, out of Florida really well. Um, there's a number of kids, though, that were in this weekend. Maverick Noonan is one that I'm really interested, again, to get his kind of feedback on what he saw. Um, as I know that you know a lot of these in-state guys were hanging out with him, especially the commits over the weekend. Um, you also had a four-star uh, offensive tackle, Bo Hughley, uh, who's actually a Georgia commit. Now, he was listed. He's listed at 6'7", 290. I don't know if you went down on the field and stood next to him, Chris, but uh, I stood next to him. I was looking up quite a bit. Like, he's all of 6'7", 290. Um, and, and so he's another guy in Nebraska. I don't know what the chances are there, uh, but the Huskers had a large contingent of guys from Georgia and actually had them stay over, um, and they got kind of a multi-day trip and, and were able to really dig, dig into the campus. So I'll, I'll be real curious on that, too. Greg, you mentioned the state of Georgia. Is that one of the areas Nebraska's trying to make a recruiting hotbed along with, I mean, we've seen the efforts of Mickey Joseph in Louisiana, but a lot of players plucked out of Georgia over the past couple of years as well. Yeah, they're definitely making hay down there, and I think that when you have Sean Becton's name is real good down there, right? I think that any time that, you know, Becton comes up with high school coaches and with prospects, they have a real favorable impression of him. Um, you, you always hear good things about him down there. And so when he tells a guy, hey, I want you to come check out Nebraska, he's got a good shot at at least getting them up here um, to check it out. I definitely think Georgia continues to be um, a key focus for Nebraska. They've done really well down there in plucking players out. There's a number of starters um, that have come from that area of the country. Greg, about 30 seconds left here. What does the recruiting calendar look like over the next couple of weeks and months? I mean, we know what's coming up next for the football team getting into summer conditioning, but what's coming up in recruiting? Yeah, so right now, technically, you can still do official visits right now. I don't expect Nebraska to have any uh, for the next few weeks here um, until we get to May. Like, I think May is when Nebraska will, will start to pick those up a little bit. Um, I, I reported in Big Red Recon last Friday that four-star uh, offensive lineman Caden Green will be in town May 20th, I think, for his official visit. And then we got camp season. That, that's always a fun time with Friday Night Lights and all of that. Uh, so there will be plenty more on the docket this summer uh, for Nebraska recruiting. Greg, 10 seconds. Uh, Malachi Coleman, how did it go this weekend with him? Uh, he did not come to town. He was, I think he was in Oregon uh, this weekend, actually. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I, I still feel good about where Nebraska is with, with Malachi. Uh, but he's got no shortage of options right now. Good enough. Greg, we'll do this again. Good stuff this weekend. Thanks for the time. Hey, thanks as always, man. All right. That's uh, Greg Smith with Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good stuff from Greg Smith. The podcast will be up on ESPN Lincoln. Dot com on demand, also on the Twitter handle, and uh, we'll have a SoundCloud of Mr. Greg and uh, the weekend that's been as Nebraska stays in hot pursuit to recruiting-wise. Numbers to dial up, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Coach McBride's take on Saturday. In less than 20 minutes, we'll dive into some Masters thoughts with PGA Insider Chris Elgert, as Elgert also, of course, recruited and coached Zach Johnson. He has a couple of green jackets in his collection. Uh, Garrett Nelson was uh, one of the guys that caught my eye, probably caught your eye, as uh, he has embraced the leadership and role as a homegrown in-state kid. And, you know, Dolman threw out a take 
early in the Scott Frost era that the most important recruit, perhaps, was Garrett Nelson. Proud Scott's Bluff kid, but an in-state kid. And it'd really be cool for Garrett, and I know Nebraska fans, if you watch this maturation process come full circle with, you know, all Big Ten type level play. You, you've you seen the, the wild man motor. You, you had the mullet and then you had more reps and now he's been disciplined and he's been a guy that, that gives maximum effort uh, when he's had more time on the field and he's played early in his career. Well, now it's that that next step is – you know, being a difference maker, not just a body. And and he has turned in at least uh, the the hope for when you listen to him after his, his spring game is to be a difference maker on and off the field. And you have sorely missed vocal leadership on defense over the years. That's what is that that is your difference maker that makes a football team split special on offense and on defense, and Garrett Nelson's a guy that uh, his talk is going to be appropriate in the sense of, of always encouraging guys, but also the accountability factor of it. And then to, to watch his level continue to increase because he looked faster and quicker, and he is he's all grown up is the best way I'll put it as a football player ready for a big senior season. But Garrett spent some time after the spring game talking about his his pass rush. Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me uh, last year. The last kind of um, peg, I guess, in my game was pass rush and being faster and being quicker um, off the get-off and off the ball. Um, that was the one big, big thing I focused on, definitely emphasized by coaches. Um, been working on that. I, uh, I think statistically I gained – 10 pounds of muscle and lost like 4% of body fat. Um, just eating correctly, um, taking it uber serious and um, emphasizing those points of my game, um, trying to get better. Guys that are young are going to listen to him when he makes that sort of commitment off the field, like it, taking it serious all the time. Um, guys that are peers of his are going to listen and buy in if they see him performing that well. More from Garrett Nelson here on on his progress personally. Yeah, the, the quickness is definitely there, and it has been throughout the spring. Um, I wanted to keep getting better, and, uh, you know, as we start playing in the Big Ten with those first-round tackles, I want to be able to do that um, against them as well, just to cement myself and cement the edge guys as, as a true threat in the Big Ten nationally. So th- there's there's a ceiling he wants to touch, and he isn't wrong going up against the, the who's who of draft picks. Yes, you've got a ton in the SEC on uh, both sides of the line of scrimmage, but the Big Ten isn't too shabby either with what they have defensively. And, of course, uh, what you're trying to get by on the offensive side. Think about uh, what, what Wisconsin and, and Iowa have done, along with Ohio State, uh, just recently when it comes to NFL. Garrett Nelson touches on the growth of the defense, because that's the question mark. Uh, you know, where, where can they be compared to last year? And are they going to be better? The, the thought is there's going to be a step back. Uh, we'll, we'll hear more on that point.
but uh, the growth of the D and how it came this spring. Uh, this progress, I guess, in positions back end figuring themselves out, interior D line guys figuring themselves out. That bulk of our experience is in um, that linebacker core. And having those positions figure themselves out was nice. Uh, this first couple of practices, guys getting reps, kind of figuring out where they go. Um, the biggest thing, I guess, progress-wise this spring was, along with the football piece, was just the get-togetherness. This has uh, kind of been the closest team that I have been on in college. Um, the camaraderie, the guys, you know, across units, across position groups, truly loving each other and caring about each other, you know, checking, hey, man, you get banked up, go get checked out, hey, make sure you're eating, drinking, do the right things, guys calling each other out, making true accountability just with the little things in the locker room and around the offices, but also with football. Um, we need that to kind of, that last little push a wave to push it over. So Garrett's going to jump in and talk about standard. Last year's defense it was a lot better defense for Nebraska, probably the best defense they've had since 2016, quite honestly. And uh, Garrett got into uh, kind of meeting and exceeding that standard from last year. The standard has been set and it has been set uh, from last year um, of what defense we want to be. Um, Putting a lot of the weight on my shoulders, putting a lot of weight on the other guy's shoulders, defensive leaders-wise, to uphold that standard or even progress it into the leader category uh, where we wanted to be. Um, we played a lot of great defense last year. There's some things that we could have got better at 100%. We want to get better in those areas, but uh, keeping that standard, keeping that progression upward trend um, as leaders is kind of um, I've, I've thought about it all the time. I don't want there to be a fall off. I don't want there to be a drop off. I don't want to have a worse defense. Being a better defense and having those guys fill those positions have been, has been huge. Um, and you know That statistic feels pretty good. Last thought on the no-drop-off mentality. Talk about it all the time. I emphasize it. Uh, in practice and in our position groups, we will not, we are not, we're not going to set uh, start down seven in a game ever. We don't want to do That's our mentality. Um, we will put it to them every play, no matter who's in there. We cannot have that step down. Just the mentality of every practice. Practice like you're an old guy. Practice like you have experience. Take it seriously. Practice like... You know, you're an all-Big Ten defensive line. So you hear the urgency with uh, Garrett Nelson and where he wants this defense to go. You also hear the maturity from Garrett Nelson and uh, what he thinks this defense can be. We'll have a couple more thoughts on the other side from Garrett Nelson uh, when it comes to uh, some of the young guys defensively. And uh, it was good to hear and good to see. It's one thing to, to kind of, all right, Garrett's been vocal. Garrett's kind of a wild man. Good on him. Uh, can he be a leader? And he's he's going to set the example with his play. But performance is key, is, getting, is so key in getting guys to fall in line behind you. And uh, he had a really good season last year, and it can only uh, it can, oh, continue to go up and that's, uh, that's his mindset. That's his goal. We'll wind down Hour 1. Charlie McBride in 15 minutes. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this first hour. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Be sure to 
Download and subscribe to the Hale Varsity Radio podcast Monday through Saturday, six times a week in uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Be sure to tell us what you think. Give us a rating. Give us a subscription. Good, bad, or ugly. Save some bank on HaleVarsity.com and magazine as well. When you subscribe, a reminder, buckle up. Uh, get that seatbelt on. Game preparation and repetition predict success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. What would one more sack mean for this Nebraska defense? What's the defense need uh, going into 2022? They need more turnovers. They need to be better against the run. They need to be better at getting after the quarterback. O'Shawn Mathis, yes, but you got two candidates that could make it happen in Caleb Tanner and, of course, Garrett Nelson. Nelson speaks to the point of of just one more sack a game. Wanting one more sack a game, uh, you know, we we – we were okay in that area, but you know, you know, with this end, we can't be okay. We got to be great. Um, we want those pressures off the edge. We want those interior sacks. We need one more sack a game. That that is on me as a leader. It's on me as position group, D line, and edge guys uh, together, uh, getting the balls out. And we need more turnovers. Um, we don't. Believe it or not, want to lose by one possession or one point anymore. So, uh, if we have the ball in our hand while we're ahead and we can bleed clock or score again, uh, that's on the defense to get that back to uh, our guys to let them go to work. Complimentary football, Elijah. Take the ball, go score. If you're on offense, get a three and out, get great field position, and. Uh, be scoreless the first time the offense gets the football. Wait. Pretty rare Nebraska would score first in the Frost era. Yeah, wait. Complimentary football. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. I, I thought you oh, had you to. I, I thought you had to put at least one phase of your game behind the eight ball at least once in the game. Like, <sighs> just think if, it, if if it gets to like normal football, where more times than not you're better or equal in all three phases. Novel, novel thought. Haven't seen it in what. 10 years? No, you saw it against the teams your air quote supposed to beat in 2016. Well, I'm saying like well, with consistency over, over an entire season, though. When was the last time you saw that? 2016. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I guess as good as, sure. Sure. They, they were as good as some teams that they should have beat, but I don't think they necessarily played complimentary football for an entire season that year. Sure. I, I'll, I'll give you 2016, but I might go back to 2013. No, I, I think their their best teams are 2013, 2014, 2012, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely for sure. <laughs> the the poster child for complimentary football, not 2009. <laughs> 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 Don't screw it up, offense. Sue, you go kill people. <laughs> Imagine scoring, like, what, 10 points in a Big 12 championship game and almost being able to win. That's an unreal. No, exactly. I mean, the the scoring defense was nuts. I think they held them to like 10 a game. Yeah. (laughs) Number one in the country. It was. Yep. Get a scoring defense that that holds them to 24 and get an offense that scores 30. Bang. Right? I mean, that that 2009 team was our our best – Look at what it would be like to be an Iowa football fan. One of the best defenses in a number 90th ranked offense. Well, and at least you had some NFL backs there in 09 that are carrying it for you. Coach McBride's next.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt. Another Monday with Charlie, Coach Charlie McBride. Coach, how's the weather? How you doing? Perfect. It's just um, still a little overcast, but it's um, <laughs> you can live with it. <laughs> it's 60 and uh, not no wind. Thank you, thank you uh, for that. Well, I think we've kept all the wind for the rest of the United States here the last seven days. Uh, no fun, but if you're a defensive coordinator, no fun throwing the ball either in it. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing that you know. It, 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 it when you're on a team and you see your half of your team can't do what they really want to do, and half of it is it's better for. It does get it does get a little confusing as to what's the best. You just not uh, defensively. You just keep your mouth shut. You just go go get the football, right? That's right. <laughs> so how did you how did you spend Saturday? Did you uh, you put some wings in the air fryer and watch the spring game, or what'd you do? Yeah, sure. I watched the the whole spring game and. Uh, watched it again on the Big Ten Network, and then watched it a part of it again on the Big Ten Network. And right now, the Purdue game's on again on the Big Ten Network. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to, you know, if you want to see enough football, but most of them are doing pretty much the same thing uh, that Nebraska did this year. Was, you know, who are the first half kind of um, banging around a little bit, you know, thud, what you'd call it, and. Uh, you know, to just just run plays, get timing. Uh, it, it's a little hard for the defense because, you know, you're kind of just you're you're there. You're you're supposed to wrap them up, but it always scared me about getting guys stepped on each other and you know trying to hold back and somebody hits you in the back of the legs and stuff like that. But you know, when you're going full speed, you get your feet keep going, so it's a little bit better. Well, did you see some things you liked? What are some things that you, you took away Saturday with the, the, thud, the thud first half and then, of course, tackle football in the second half? Well, I think they protected a lot of the players, you know, and I, I didn't know which ones are hurt and which ones weren't because, you know, you're looking for certain players and you don't see them for a while and you wonder if there are you know, how many guys they had injured. You probably know better than I do. They had but, a lot of guys dinged up. Yeah, and uh, you know, I noticed that you know they, uh, you know, let you know like early the quarterbacks uh, threw probably Harburg probably maybe played a little bit through a little bit more than anybody mm-hmm. I thought. You know, when I kept thinking about it, but um, that was the nature of the way they had it, and. Uh, I think what ha- what they did in this game, believe it or not, is I think they got a chance to see a lot of the younger players really under under probably more reps than they usually get in the mm-hmm. scrimmage. And I think that uh, they probably came up with a, a couple of, you know, players that they think, you know, they might overlook. 
Okay, so it's a it's a it's a bigger window and and more of a game type setting to to make an evaluation. Oh yeah, no no question about it. I mean, you know, you take a kid like Harris, and you know he he did some things that were really kind of impressive, his explosiveness and things like that. And uh, you know, I think it was Lubin and Lubin, you know that that did some good things that are down the line running back type of things. And uh, so, you know, I mean, and there are some defensive linemen too. You could see they needed work, but you know, they're, they got a chance to get better over the year. And, um, you know, I've always said this and I, I, in fact, I, I, I talked to Trev a little bit about it as, you know, for teams that, for example, like at Nebraska, where they haven't gone to a bowl game for the last, you know, couple of years, and and that the other teams get to go work their guys out. You know, I mean, when they're there, mm-hmm. you know, we got to work with the younger guys, and you know, after practice, and you know, you do what you can do. But I always thought there ought to be time for the teams that don't go to bowl games to have some time where they can do you know, develop instead of going backwards, like what would basically wouldn't have the practice time that a team, a good team would have. It's that are the better teams at the bowl games. And uh, so, you know, I mean, you, you kind of look at it that way a little bit. And, but I think, uh, you know, as time goes on, they're going to have to cut down on, you know, numbers of, you know, decide on the scout teams and pretty much, you know, nothing's in, nothing's you know in in stone, but you know you want to try to get your your guys that you're really going to work with right now. That you know who are the guys who we looking at for next year, and who are the guys we think in a red shirt, or whatever the case is. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. Uh, I want to flip it over to the offensive line and. Again, thud versus tackle. But what what differences did you see out of the offensive line? What did you like? Well, I think the kids were staying with their blocks a little better. You know, they did a better job coming off the ball. I, you know, I, I've heard them even mention that before the game that they felt like they were, you know, coming off the ball better. And and of course that can always improve the better that. You know, I always looked at it as, as, as I talked to offensive linemen in the beginning. You want to try to take away 50% of the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you got a good chance to beat the guy. If you don't, you may end up in the backfield. <laughs> so, you know, and the same thing goes defensively. You want to take away 50% of the neutral zone and or in, be in a position to neutralize it and and what we call squeeze them down, squeeze the gap of your responsibility and things like that, if it's just a simple base block. But, uh, you know, so you work hard on some of those things. But I, I I saw guys that were still, I think we need to work on, you know, a separation, which is a, a simple thing to say. But, you know, you got to get your hands and working a lot of times, you know, how they – how they bring their hands up from the ground and so on and so forth. And a lot of it has to do with their stance. A defensive lineman usually is a little more forward with more weight on his hands probably than you do weight on an offensive lineman. And so you got a little more weight going forward. And uh, But I saw some good things, and I some of the young secondary guys, you know, kind of impressed me. 
Coach, when, when you're looking at that D line, it was really a, a good battle between the offensive line and the defensive line in, in the running game all uh, all day. But it, it felt like the, the the one defense had a had a really good day with the pass rush. And I just want to get your take. Do you think that's a, a positive sign, seeing that the, the defensive line is improving there, or is it, yeah. is it bad for the offensive line? I think I think they they showed. Uh, I don't know how much of a, par, a part. Of getting a, a, a end on the weak side, mm-hmm. an open side end, able to widen a little bit and rush the passer and and things like that. It looked also like they took a couple of their big defensive ends and went to almost an even type front with a no offset nose and a three technique, you know. And then I don't know how they adjusted on the outside, how they're going to do it because it, they probably didn't show a whole lot you know, exactly where the alignments were exactly. But I noticed that they were getting a little more pressure off the off the split end or the weak open side. And so they're doing some things there. Um, but there's a couple of times, you know, when you see things that uh, I never did like what they call a seven technique where you play on the inside, <clears throat> kind of the inside shoulder of the tight end. Uh, and I think they did that some with their linebackers or their tackles or their ends. I guess what they call we call them tackles. They're they're actually called ends. They're using the pro tem terminology, I think, where you have a nose tackle and and then two defensive ends, which are actually the old tackles they called them in the five, in the odd front. But. Um, you know, and if you play these guys on the inside eye, and and you're still kind of responsible for containing, it's a hard place to get there from. And you can you can do some things uh, that adjust to that, uh, and and change up and do some things where you still have your responsibility, but you do it from a different position. Coach. So you know they may be doing some of that. I don't know. They, they sure wouldn't be showing it now. Well, Coach, what do you what do you think of Garrett Nelson? He had a pretty decent day. He's really embraced the leadership, and he's uh, he's uh, doing all the right things, and and he's really kind of come full circle from from day one, kind of a wild man to a guy that is trying to lead the program. What what's he what's he shown you so far? He's showing me he's a wild man. I mean, he's kind of, but he's controlling it. You know, he's doing it with some, you know, with technique. He's doing it, uh, you know, a lower. Uh, he's, he's got himself down in a hitting, better hitting position. And I think that he's going to do nothing but improve. I, and he, he's, got, he's, he's got a good motor. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they, they, they can do, they have good motors without even having to push it. They already do it, you know, somehow. Some guys have to push it a little different, but um, but he's got a you know the temperament to be a, to be a good pass rusher. Defensively, what what does this defense need for the fall twenty twenty two? The defense has to be what? Uh, well, you know the defense has to number one is this has to get you know to really get to the football and and you know a lot of a lot of things are little things like. Pursuit angles are really important, and getting off the blocks. I mean, that, that is that is really critical, and that's why I keep going back to the the word of separation because you can get if you're separated, you can get released from the guy different ways, and you don't get tied up with them as much. 
and plus the fact if you do get a, get a start to get away, usually he'll grab a hold of you or something, and there's a possible penalty there. So there's there's a couple of things. And the other thing I I I didn't see a lot of was when they're getting to our power rushing, um, a defensive lineman and things like that, uh, and they're not going to get to the quarterback that they need to be ready to jump and get their hands on the ball when it's thrown and things like that. So there's a lot of little things they have to work on that they can do easily, and, and you can do it in drill form. You know, it's a, it's a pretty simple thing to do without a lot of time being taken. Coach, the, the other narrative is, all right, you, you've got young guys on the defensive line, you, you're thinner, while Casey Rogers has is, is made some plays, Ty Robinson's ready to take a step forward, and then we have Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner off the edge, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, what kind of jump can they make? The the thought is is well okay the defense because of all the lost talent will take a step back is that some motivation is that some bulletin board for the black shirts and Coach Chenander here heading into this season? Yeah, it, well it, it can be, but they know they they need it to you know it's just like if a guy gets hurt, it's, it's, it's people have to step up. Sure, and they know they have to improve, and that's the thing is is that they put their mind on the improvement. They're thinking about things all summer. They're not just wandering around, you know, that they're, they're you know, in your mind, it has a lot to do with just, you know, thinking about your techniques, thinking about what you're doing when you're off the field. And then when you're on the field, you know, do some extra work after you have maybe, I don't know how the inside, how they worked, you know, in, in at night when we used to work the, we didn't really get to see. They knew what we wanted to do. Sure. Um, you know, and so I know some of them, did, you know, did a little extra after it was over. You know, spent 15 minutes or so and, and just doing things, uh, repeating the things that they don't do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing in practice. You When you're not practicing, you know, your coach is going to direct you. But you may be doing some of the easier things you can do, and some of the things you know that today you're not doing the things that are easy or are easy for you. But and tomorrow you're doing things that are not easy for you. But those are the things that are not easy for you. You need to really think about off the field. You need to visualize doing it, and uh, you, you know you need to work on it. Uh, you know when you're when you're off the field. Um, somehow, some way, even if it's against a post or a wall or your footwork or whatever the case is. Coach Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Coach, we only got about a minute left here, but quickly, can you take me through what uh, happens with, with the coaching staff following spring football? I mean, we know that the players are going to get into summer conditioning here shortly and finish up their semesters, but what what's the next steps for the coaching staff after uh, spring football? Do you take a second to exhale or is it right into other things? <laughs> Yeah, well, what we did, uh, you know, how they adjust, I don't know. But we interviewed each player individually, gave them a, a kind of a synopsis of what we felt like they did uh, in spring practice, where they improved in, where they need to get better at, uh, you know, and 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 they made a kind of a notes notes of the, um, you know, what what the things were we worked on. We talked a little bit about. Maybe, you know, getting a little stronger poundage-wise. You know, a lot of times guys say, well, I can put 25 pounds on my bench press. Well, you can, yeah, that's pretty hard. If you put five five to ten on, you're really doing good. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, and, and things like that. And so you need to talk to them about, you know, some of the things that they need to improve on the most. Uh, why you why, also why you're getting ready to recruit. <laughs> sure. You know, if you're getting ready to go out, so you need to make phone calls and things like that as far as the coaches are concerned. But the, my, the thing that's most important is that you get to each one of your players and you shoot them straight. Tell them exactly what they need, and I always, I always, they always knew that I may be brutally honest to them, and they know before they come in there that if there are some things that I might say that you know that that were pretty tough on them, but um, but they understand that, and and a lot of times when they're done playing, they thank you for that. Charlie McBride with a sale of City Radio on Monday with Charlie. Coach, we'll talk next Monday. Thanks for the insight today. We're going to have another game this week? I wish. No. <laughs> Put your okay. feet up and comb your hair, bud. Kids, stay out of the okay. wind. <laughs> I'll get ready. I'll start getting working out. There we go. Coach, thanks so much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye now, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, his thoughts on the spring game. We're going to turn our attention to Augusta National and PGA Insider and uh, longtime coach uh, of, you know, some of the best there is. Uh, Zach Johnson is who I'm thinking of, who has a couple of green jackets. Our dear friend Chris Elgert with us on Hale Varsity. Chris, thanks for a few minutes, man. Good to spend some time. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Smitty? We're good. We are good. Uh, how did Masters Sunday treat you? It was quite honestly pretty perfect. Weather was good here in Nebraska and uh, got together with some friends and, and uh, watched the final round. So when I'm, uh, when I'm not there, I tend to, uh, to make it to Master Sunday in the same location every year when I'm back home. And so uh, it was good to, good to together, get together with friends. Well, that is awesome. Chris Elger with his PGA Insider, Hale Varsity Radio. So I want to focus on, on Tiger Real quick with you, uh, Chris, and, you know, what did you learn? What what did you take away from Tiger being able to complete and compete at Augusta? It wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't what Tiger Nation wanted, but the guy finished, which was a major accomplishment. Well, I, you know, I was pleased. I, I think, you know, I mean, it was a win for the golf world and um, and any fans out there of Tiger to, to just see it in the first place, but to honestly have him um, make the cut, play all four days, uh, you know, obviously stamina is an issue right now. Um, and you can see that with the scores as, it, as they got higher, progressively higher through the week. But uh, to be honest with you, the things that looked rusty are are things that I think he'll, he'll you know, he'll turn around real quickly. His putter was just, you know, he had one of the worst putting rounds he's ever had on Saturday. Uh, including four three putts and a four putt, um, and and he's one of the greatest putters in the world. So that'll come, you know. And I think the rest of it, I think uh, I think I think you've got to be kind of excited about the the future. I I still think he has enough game to win. I I he's the strongest mental player I've I think we've ever seen in the game, and uh, he obviously has the pop still to to hit it out there with these guys and. Uh, so I think as he, you know, he continues to to improve and continues to build strength and stamina, 
um, I think he'll compete. I, I really do. I, I think he'll win again, um, and I think he'll he'll be uh, he'll be in the hunt here sooner than later. Does that be in the hunt include the open? He committed to play in there. Yeah, I, I mean, how can you not think he's going to be? Uh, you know, it's a, that's a perfect golf course for him. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not a hard walk. Uh, it's an out and back flat walk for him. He absolutely loves the golf course. It's his favorite course in the world. Um, he's had success. He's won twice there. Uh, he, you know, he's he's he he will compete there. In my opinion, I he knows the golf course too well, and that's more of a. Uh, you know, a plotter's course where you move around and you have to stay out of bunkers and you have to kind of play into areas and and um, he knows it and, and uh, I know he's excited about it. You could tell in his interview, you know, and and whether or not he plays at Southern Hills for the PGA, I, I honestly think he will. He didn't commit to it, but he also didn't immediately leave it out. And I think if he continues to, um, you know, to build some strength and 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 some stamina. I think that's a golf course he could walk. It's just I, whether or not it's going to be hot and how much that will take out of him, too. Chris Elgert's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, as uh, we're talking PGA, the Masters, PGA Insider with us. Going to turn our attention to, to Scotty Scheffler, his first major. He gets the green jacket. What, what does that moment do for a pro? Uh, take us through Zach and, and when he won it the first time. Well, I mean, first off, it fills his bank account. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a, you know, lifetime. That's probably a $100 million win. Um, you know, when you think about all the endorsements and all the things that, you know, that that makes him relevant in the game for the next 50 years. Um, and that's amazing to think about, but it's true. I mean, he he will be relevant as a Masters champion uh, for the rest of his life. And, uh and there is a lot that comes with that. So, um, you know, he's had an incredible run to win the golf tournaments. You know, it's amazing. He, you know, just four short years ago, he was playing a Monday qualifier here at Wilderness Ridge to get into the, you know, Pinnacle Bank Championship on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, you know, and that was that was July of 2018. And here we are, uh, not even four years later, and. And he's went on this just historic run, and and you know to win, I, I'm I'm impressed with his everything about his game. He does everything well. There's not anything that he doesn't do well. He drives it long. He drives it straight. His you know his his iron play is good. His chipping is incredible. He makes putts when he needs to. Um, he's got great discipline. To be honest with you, he's got great discipline on the golf course. He's got. Uh, a perfect personality to just stay in the moment and continue to kind of grind it out. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you win once and he's kind of figured out how to get it across the tape, but now to win it, to win in where he's won, to win at Bay Hill, to win at TPC Scottsdale, to win the match play in Austin, to win the masters. Um, you know, he's won on different golf courses and different settings and, and quite honestly beat the best in the, in the game. And so, um, you know, he's having a hot run. I mean, players get on those runs, um, but I, he, he's got all the game in every aspect to, uh, 
to be a great champion for years and years. Chris Elgert's with us, PGA Insider, Hale Varsity Radio. Give Chris a follow on Twitter at Chris Elgert. Elgert, a thought with uh, with the peers, keeping your ear to the ground with the PGA like you do. How how do the uh, Scotty's uh, mates feel about him? What's 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 uh, Scheffler's rep with with the other players? It's really good. Um, you know, he's just uh, he's just a solid, uh, likable guy. Um, you know, he's very uh, he's very involved in the uh, Bible study program. He is you know married at a young age. Um, he he's does it the right way. Uh, you know, you don't get to number one in the world at his age. Without, without having good feet underneath you and, and a good su- support system and a great team. But uh, the players all love him. And, uh, you know, he's going to be on all those teams. I, I know Zach is excited uh, about having him play for him in the Ryder Cup. And uh, obviously that's a guarantee at this point. And, 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 and that's true of all, a lot of these young guys. You know, Victor Hovland, and I mean, he's obviously not an American, but all these young players like Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland and, 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 you know, all these players that are up and coming right now, Sam Burns, and they're just, they're just talented and they're um, seasoned. You know, uh, they, they've won so many times at every level that winning is, winning is normal for them. And, uh, you know, we're seeing what Tiger Woods has created, to be quite honest, going back to Tiger and that, you know, he made golf cool, and so now you're seeing the athletes that you wouldn't necessarily see in the game playing golf. And, and on top of that, you know, the junior programs out there, the AJGAs, the Hurricane Tours, the, you know, all of the junior tours that are going around to give these kids opportunities at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and, and they're ready to win now. When they get out there at 22, 23, 24 years old, they've, they've won – you know, in some cases, I, I, I know they said Scotty Scheffler had won 90 out of 155 events and junior events. You know, that means he's he's won over a hundred times, and so he's he's used to making putts. He's used to being in that that cauldron and and feeling the pressure and having your hand shake and and enjoying that moment. And uh, you know, and all of these young guys have done that. And so, it's the PGA Tour is in an incredible place because they've. They've got guys like Tiger Woods, and, and then they've got a lot of, you know, 30-year-olds, the Rorys, the, the JTs, the, and they got Dustin Johnsons, and, and now they've got the 20-year-olds that are just coming like crazy. And so there's, you know, there's just there's 30 or 40 guys. I thought it was the most open Masters to win in a long time, but obviously the guy who came in playing the hottest ended up winning. Yeah, and you make great points. And with, I mean, the amount of attention golf has received, especially since COVID, with how they continued playing tournaments. And now you've seen some of these young guys uh, start to step up and, and win tournaments of their own. Do you think we could be entering a new golden era of golf? I mean, you look at the, the gosh, just the guys in the top 10 yesterday with Scheffler and Smith and Zalatoris and even have Cameron Champ. I mean, a lot of young guys making some strides. Is this, or is there a potential for this to be a new golden age? I do. Um, I absolutely do, and we're seeing it even at the younger. You know, I have, I have kids that play. I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and so you know, I'm seeing uh, a lot of the best players in the country at their ages, and it, it's amazing how low these kids are shooting, and what kind of players they are. You know, my um, my son is is lucky enough to play with some kids down in Pinehurst quite a bit, and you know, he's got three friends down there that have all been 
um, you know, they're on tailor-made staff and they're since they were eight years old, um, you know, that they've been identified as great national talents. And these kids are shooting scores that you just couldn't believe. I mean, they're shooting 63, 64, 65, 66s at 12, 13, 14 years old. And there's a bunch of them, you know? Um, so I think, I think we're going to continue to see it. I think the game is in the best place in the world, and I think it's going to continue to grow in popularity. Um, the golf courses are full uh, as we look around. Um, you know, as I sit here right now at Wilderness Ridge looking out my patio, there's, you know, there's people and, and kids playing golf. And uh, the pandemic did that. It brought so many rounds to, to all the golf courses. And I think there's a lot of people who are understanding the values of getting outside and, and trying to be healthy and, and, and enjoying the game. And, and, you know, we're seeing just incredible amounts of, of at all levels. And that's all due to Tiger Woods. And, it, and the game is just getting better and better. Chris Elgert with his PGA Insider. Give Chris a follow at Chris Elgert. Elgert, uh, awesome stuff. Great uh, insight on the Masters. Best to you and the kiddos who just keep uh, ripping it off the box, man. So happy for you and your fam and how well they're performing. We will see you soon, bud, and thanks for always giving us a few minutes. You bet. Take care. All right. Chris Elgert with us here talking Masters. Uh, Casey Thompson, his thoughts of the spring game up next. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Really good stuff, informative stuff uh, from Chris Elgert on Tiger, the Masters, of course. Scheffler and a really awesome tie with, with Wilderness and the Corn Ferry and the Pinnacle Bank Championship and some of the guys who performed there, how they've gone on. Zalatoris, how well he's played. And uh, wasn't that long ago he was swinging away at Wilderness. Same with Scheffler. You look back to 20, uh, 2018, that, that window of time. And uh, really insightful from Chris Elger. Just such a good golf guy. And uh, has some really, really talented kids that swing the sticks. Numbers to get in. We're open till 646-377-6800-825-5865. How would you spice up the spring game? Do you uh, want it that way? Were you, did you sit through and you kind of knew what you were going to get, so you were fine with it? You went anyway to support? Uh, I'm thinking maybe you have a, a end of end of game show, concert. Run somebody out there on a stage. Easier said than done, but why not party a little bit? The uh, the field turf's getting ripped apart. It's uh, well under 500. <laughs> it's not the uh, the AstroTurf that people were selling at 25 bucks a pop that are in Husker Dens all over with a uh, part of three national championships that went 60 and 3. So uh, you have Casey Thompson. All eyes were on Thompson. Uh, and Thompson didn't do anything wrong. He just didn't get a lot of time. They didn't risk much with him being out there. He really wasn't pressured or pushed that much during spring due to injury. Now, Smothers didn't throw that well, but he continues to grind away, and I love the attitude Logan Smothers has. I, I really like that Harburg was 
was, you know, green jersey off, let him get banged around a little bit. They wanted more film on him. That was nice. And I mean, the coaching staff talked about with, with those two guys, especially how much bigger their learning curve was having to forget a lot of things from last year and sure. then learn a new offense where with the new guys coming in, it's just learn the new offense. These guys got to got to forget and then learn so that they're even behind the eight ball a little bit more than the other quarterback. Possibly so. And uh, don't disagree with you there. Let's hear a little bit from Casey Thompson. What were his goals this spring and how did the spring work out for him? It was about going out, running the offense, and uh, really just getting out of the game healthy was the main thing we were trying to accomplish today. And uh, I wanted to complete every pass. I was close, but that kind of was the goal to come out today, just run the offense and get out of the game healthy. Three for four, throwing the football. Now, you saw a, a dart to Palmer. You saw a great diving catch, but we didn't see a whole lot of Palmer either on on Saturday. More from... Casey Thompson and uh, the bragging rights part of things. First and foremost, I wanted to beat the defense. So as you can see, I was I was engaged the whole game trying to – I definitely want us to beat the defense so we can have bragging rights throughout the summer. Um, I don't like giving anyone uh, any bragging rights ahead of us. But, um, you know, as, as an offense, we want to go out and score every every drive that we get. But, you know, you have to be positive about it too and be, and be realistic. You know, if that doesn't happen uh, in a game, then, you know, you for sure want to move the change and you want to take care of the football. And uh, I, I know with the ones we took care of the football today and uh, we were able to get – some positive yards and get our run game going. Um, so that was good. Think about Casey Thompson and, and Coach Whipple has talked to him about continued leadership. And, and that's a guy that is going to embrace that. Uh, he'll go out. He'll be outgoing. He'll have the lineman over for buffet time. He'll, he'll endear himself through his work ethic. And, you know, the next step is going to be on your own. Here's a list. Here's your to-do list, Elijah, for summertime. And it's going to be quarterbacks and wide receivers. It's going to be on air, but it's going to be timing. It's going to be feel. It's going to be familiarity. It's going to be getting comfortable, continued comfort with the guys you're throwing the football to. And it's not just the top four or five wideout targets you have. Get that way with everybody. Get on the same page. Do the extra. Casey Thompson's a guy that's always done the extra. I mean, and that's something I've seen uh, this offseason with Russell Wilson. As soon as he got traded to Denver, what's he doing? He's getting in contact with his receivers. He's having them come down to his little private field, run routes with, with him even before uh, these summer OTAs start getting underway where uh, the team is getting going. Where He is saying, I'll, I'll fly you down to wherever I am and we can get these routes going. We can get this timing going because that's so crucial, especially when you have a, a short turnaround time. I mean, what is it? seven months from on campus to play in your first game, eight months, where uh, you, you got to get that timing down quick, and that extra work is going to be so huge. Well, what can the first-team offense be? What can they show uh, this upcoming fall? You know, what's really the, the look of that first-team offense? Today we we honestly were uh, we were close to going live and, and we were going to split up the teams but we just we didn't have enough depth at, at just a few positions and so we, we thought it was best to do that. Um, we met with Frost about it on the leadership council and of course we wanted to go live but I think it, uh, it was a smart decision. But we've had we've had plenty of practices and scrimmages against the defense where we've gone live and um, as a team you know with the coaches I think that uh, I think that we've seen enough um, and so today I, like I said I can't really control you know whether we're live or not but I think that our run game is. It's fine. Uh, I think that our wide receiver position in the passing game is fine. And like I said, I just want us to be a little bit more consistent and continue to move the chains. That's what it is. I mean, there'll be home run opportunities in this offense, but be a good running team, be physical, 
and you're going to have a lot of weapons, and you're going to have healthy weapons to not only get downhill and be physical, but what you can do to gash teams with play action and uh, make some big-time throws. So happy or not, are you happy with where the offense is? I feel like that uh, that we're in a good spot as a team, as an offense. Um, you know, throughout spring with the ones, I know for sure I can't really speak on the other quarterbacks, but I think we had, you know, 20-something, 30-something touchdowns. Uh, I had four or five interceptions throughout spring. So I feel like I did a good job of taking care of the ball on the offense. We did a good job of, you know, as the as spring ball progressed, you know, we had, we've had some of our best practices the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, routes on air have improved every day. Um, one-on-ones, we've done a really good job in the one-on-ones at the wide receiver position. Um, as you know, we had a lot, a lot of young guys step up at tight end, you know, with uh, some older guys being out. So I think I've seen a lot of improvement uh, across the board. But uh, talking to Coach Whipple this week, he, he really wants me to just, uh, you know, be a leader of the offense, but, you know, make sure I focus on being a quarterback and not trying to be, you know, uh, you know, a leader of, of worrying about other guys' positions and, you know, how they're coached. You know, I'm just trying to trust the coaching, the coaches that we have on staff and just do, do my job to the best of my ability. You don't want mixed messages. You don't want the quarterback telling the wideout something different than Mickey's coaching. In a nutshell, uh, last thought here from Casey Thompson, the pass rush, what do you think of it? Um, you know, I've never gone against any any pass rush in the Big Ten, and uh, to go against Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner and some of those guys that we have come off the edge, I mean, they're, they're very good players, and so we have to give them the credit that they deserve. But um, today, you know, I felt I felt their presence a little bit, but um, you know, as long as I can maneuver the pocket and move around a little bit, I usually can find a completion and, and get a, find a way to get the ball off. Um, and then when I need to, I'll scramble. But uh, Garrett, Garrett and the defensive line did a really good job today. And uh, like I said, hopefully that will improve on blocking those guys. But it's also a good sign for the rest, for our team and for our defense that we're going to have good pass rushers. You know, that's the that's the look. The um, reality is, is yeah, they didn't even have to count to five Mississippi. They got in there. They tagged off on you before you could get uh, get by them. So we'll see if it carries over. But uh, spring, we put a bow on a. Monday Spring Game Reaction, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, be sure to check the podcast out. And uh, subscribe to us. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. You're uh, welcome to do it. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. All sorts of good stuff uh, with the Heard Ad and uh, Hail Varsity Network. Of course, uh, Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, Greg Smith, Aaron Sorensen's podcast, Brandon Vogel's podcast, Damon Benning, and Jacob Padilla, Dr. Petey, Derek Peterson. I mean, just a, a group of folks that uh, love doing what they're doing uh, with uh, Hail Varsity. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to it and uh, check out the Hurt At Media family, Schick and Nick, the Nick Bob podcast. So all of it uh, for your listening pleasure. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, viewing pleasure, not so much. 19 to 1 yesterday was, well, a bit of a pinata Sunday. Here's Will Bolt after the ball game yesterday and uh not good you're swept by rutgers who 
is good. And uh, your pitching will uh, will need to rally in a hurry. Here's Coach. Not a lot of good swings. No, not not a lot of good swings. Um, had a couple of opportunities. We get picked off on a three-two count where you know you got to see the. <laughs> Just little stuff like that that just we've repeatedly done offensively, and obviously not a lot of barrels. A great day to hit, um, you know. This is a poor performance. I can't appreciate our fans more for for showing up, and uh, you know we just just didn't get it done. It was it was obviously a tough day. Nineteen to one, not nineteen nothing, nineteen ninety six, but nineteen to one. Yeah. And uh, you have a 10-run inning, that can get a little ugly. So they'll regroup, and Creighton comes to town, and, well, you owe them a little payback. Now, the good news, it'll be 84 degrees tomorrow. The bad news, winds at 40-mile-per-hour gusts. So, ooh. And possible thunderstorms rolling in tomorrow night. Yeah, it might be a little hail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Nebraska really didn't play that poorly this weekend until like the last three innings of Sunday. I mean, they, they hung with Rutgers. I do believe... Battled back Saturday. I, I do believe after watching, I mean, the series, Rutgers was the better team this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska probably the better team on paper. It hasn't come to fruition. And I mean, that, that was the performance we've come to expect from Nebraska this season. Rutgers outplayed them this weekend. Uh, they didn't outplay them by 18 runs on Sunday uh, until the wheels really fell off late. So it, it was disappointing, but not entirely unexpected. So the reality is this: your your top dog KP is dinged with arm arm problems. Uh, Buns dinged with arm problems. Jelkin is a guy that has a lot of upside that's no longer part of the party. And uh, some of your younger guys are struggling. There is an adjustment uh, when you are called upon to to be the guy or part of the rotation that. You got to come in and, and do work in conference action. And some guys are ready before others. And uh, Nebraska has their work cut out for them. And, and again, taking care of the baseball, it's been an ongoing theme. And, and we discussed before the season started whether this was going to be a reload year or a rebuild year. We were leaning towards reload. Might take some time for this team to get into it. And now it's uh, appearing as we're uh, a little over a month into season that this is not a, a reload season. This is a rebuild season for Will Bolton crew. Well, you just want him to uh, snap out of it, stay tough. you got to be tough between the years to, to compete at a high level in baseball. It's been a tough season. Tomorrow, Steve Marek uh, will check in with uh, Coach Kaczynski, Mitch Sherman on Hale Varsity.